Hello and welcome to this edition of Tech Telemedicine Tomorrow, Answers for Healthcare's Digital Trends. I'm your host, Tony Pasalacqua. Today I have special guest Juan Arube from our IT department, and he's going to go ahead and tell us a little bit about the basics of IT. Juan, can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I recently graduated from Texas State University, and I've been working for TMLT for about two years. I've been learning a lot of stuff from school, but also from, you know, the old uh, IT department. So today we're going to talk about the basics of InfoSecurity, what is a hacker. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know I know from, from our stance, we always hear the term hacker, and hacker always sounds like this really bad guy. Are all hackers bad, or are there different levels? Basically, you have three main uh, hackers. So the bad ones are black cat hackers. So those guys, they can really get into your system and they're going to ask for money. So that's the bad ones. But also we have the white hat hackers. So those guys are people like you and I. They are just working with the organizations or with customers. They're going to give you recommendations. They're going to say, hey, I think it's better if you put this firewall because you might get an attack or you might get in a, into a data breach. So the white ha hackers, those guys are the good ones. And I will say that you have to trust them mm -hmm. because they have the same knowledge of the uh, black ha hackers, but those guys are going to help you. And also we have the script kitties. So the script kitties are kids, you know, from from call, uh, high school that they, they are just kind of looking online. They are just Googling uh, how to do a hacking or how to create a uh, an attack or how to get into a system. So those kids, they are just doing it for fun. Um, but. And all those readings that I've been doing, uh, they are bad as well because they, since they're just doing it for fun, they can harm your, your system. Yeah, I, I know for us, for instance, I did a, an article a few years ago called The Weekend I Spent Hacking in My Own Computer. And I was actually quite surprised at how many different YouTube videos there are out there that actually are tutorials on how to you know, break into different computer systems. Yeah, actually, this entire week I was working to break into a computer, and it was really easy. It took me about hour and a half, and then when I launched that, I guess, to break into that system, it took me like 10, 15 minutes. It's not that, it's not that hard if you know what you are doing. If you really want to do it like a harm to a system or to someone that you want to break into a system, it's really easy. For example... If you have physical access to that computer, you can gain access. For that reason, I would recommend to people to keep, you know, their computers or their routers far away from their customers because those customers, you don't know they are, who they are. Uh, you don't know if you are gonna trust them, and you don't know if you if they want to do something to your to your system, and if they really want to do it, and if they have the time, and if if they have a physical access to your computer, definitely they're gonna get it, because I was able to do it, and I'm sure people wants to do it. Yeah, one of the the things that actually brought me to that specific experiment was hearing from a lot of our physicians that it. You're looking at state entities that are going to be the ones that are going to be doing all the hacking. Um, and then I know for me, as soon as I started seeing all those YouTube videos, I mean, it was literally probably less than eight hours. And I learned three different ways to break into my computer. But I think 
you do have a really good point there. It, physical access to the actual computer itself seems to be, you know, a huge point of vulnerability. Yeah, and I think one of the key points here is you have to trust your IT department. And also, if you don't have an IT department, you, you should make sure that you have a budget for it because they're going to help you. They have the training, uh, they have the, the tools, and, and they're going to help you to keep your risk low. So I, I, I would recommend to get a IT department because it's essential for your business. Yeah, well, and I know one of the other things that we've also seen uh, is, you know, how much the technology itself is now integrated into each one of these medical offices. So I know for me personally, we see essentially two main models. So we'll see, well, I guess technically three. So you'll see an individual use a laptop and they'll carry it from space to space. Um, that one seems to be probably the most safe because you're actually taking those physical devices out of the space. I know some practices now that are looking at these docking stations, which essentially allow you to plug in a laptop and then you can go ahead and use like multiple screen displays. So I know that's another option that's out there, but the one that we still see in some of our practices that adopted the EHR earlier on, they're still using CPUs. So those CPUs in those spaces, that's probably not as secure as what you would hope, right? Yeah. And also, um, you know, technology is changing so fast. Uh, I think last time that I saw XP was, I don't know, probably like seven, eight years ago. But now Windows 7 is the one that is going to be like obsolete. I will say the physicians, they have to change. They have to move to like a different uh, Windows, like for example, Windows 10. Because uh, if you keep your 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 systems that they are, like for example, XP or Windows 7, um, they're not going uh, to get patches. They're not going to fix uh things on your systems like windows they're saying we're not gonna do more patches to these systems because they want to move towards windows 10. Mm -hmm. so right there if you stay with your windows 7 or your windows xp you're gonna have a data breach for sure because you know it's kind of like open the door for bad hackers mm -hmm. yeah well and i guess the other thing that a lot of physicians may not be aware of is some of their technical equipment, you know, blood pressure cuffs or even some of their specialized equipment that actually may become obsolete as well as we transition from Windows 7 to Windows 10. Yeah, I mean, like I said, technology is changing so fast and the more updated your equipment is, the that it's better for for you and for your customers and for your organization. If you are keeping your uh, computer for like 10 years and you don't do updates and if you don't do anything to it, definitely you're going to get hacked. And of course, you don't want to get into that path because a bunch of things can happen. For example, HIPAA compliance. Yeah, and I know the other thing that I found out as well doing that hacking experiment over that one weekend is that each new operating system has a higher level of encryption than the previous systems. So, for instance, I remember looking at, you know, there's these devices called um, rainbow tables, and essentially it has a bunch of these, like, hashes, which are characters that correspond with a specific character. And one of the things that I found really interesting about that whole scenario is that Windows XP, I mean, it only took, you know, 
like 12 gigabytes, I think. So like a thumb drive in order to, to hash through the encryption to break into your computer system. So it was really easy. Whereas like Windows 7 at the time, I mean, it was a significantly higher. I think I was like in the gigabytes or terabyte range in order to process through all the different rainbow tables. Yeah. And I think, you know, now I'm pretty sure the number is going to be higher because you are using Windows 10. But definitely you want to keep your equipment far away from your customers because if somebody wants to get it and if somebody uh, has have ac- uh, physical access, definitely multiple things could happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know we were running an experiment a couple days ago in our sandbox um, just based upon some of the exploits we were hearing about. And, and just for any listener out there, exploits is kind of a technical term that's used on the IT side for vulnerabilities. Yeah. And so um, the biggest thing that we found out is you could run essentially a small program from a USB and just download like one or two programs. And then if you went in after hours, you could steal that computer, that specific computer, and you'd actually be able to change the administrative password on the computer itself. Yeah, that's what I did. Um, Basically, I was having, I had physical access to the sandbox that I was working on. And like I said, it took me probably like 10, 15 minutes to change a few things on the script. And then I was able to change passwords. Uh, That machine had, I believe had like four or five users. So I was able to change the password for each user. So it's really easy. It's really easy to get it. And like I say, I recommend to put your stuff, your equipment far away from, from your customer. Maybe even locking it up at night or taking it home. Yeah. That may not even be a bad option either. Yeah, I, I guess the other thing that, that we've also seen with a lot of our um, physicians is we are seeing these different types of terminals that are coming out that they're using that are like essentially dummy terminals that we always hear the term from like IT experts that they're essentially um, just windows into the EHR system and then the rest of the is just kind of like a... a operational platform, I guess, for you to be able to log into the EHR and essentially view patient rec- uh, patient records or information. As long as your IT department's probably vetted that, that's probably okay to keep those physical devices inside those spaces. And also now they're mentioning that, um, you know, since I was able to get into that physical computer and I mean I was having like physical access if you save your your documents into the C drive and says since I was able to get in I can see those documents and I can just make a copy and keep it with me so you either get a network where you can save those documents and if somebody is breaking into that computer then once you go into the network, you have to log in with your credentials and then you can be or you can get into the network. But if you're saving all your files locally, that's a really high risk because if somebody gets your computer and, and if they have access to it, they can see everything that you are saving in that computer and in, in, in the uh, C drive. Mm-hmm. And so kind of just so everyone understands, when we start talking about the difference between like a C drive and a network drive, you have to have access to that specific router in order to have access to those specific drives. And that's why if you were to leave with uh, like a physical computer and you saved it to your desktop or to your C drive, that's actually saved to the hard or the physical 
computer. Mm-hmm. Whereas like those network drives, like a public drive or a drive that's specific to you as an individual that mm-hmm. you're using for your company, that would be inaccessible offsite. That's correct. Ah. And um, so that is why I think it's really important to have an IT department because you know they're gonna help you. They're gonna help you to understand how a network works and how you can keep your risk low because it's essential for a business. Right now in 2019, pretty much everything that we do is through the internet. Mm-hmm. So if you wanna look into records, you go into the internet, you get your uh, password, your username, and then you're looking into uh, documents and bank accounts, the same thing. So I think that is why to me is really important to have a good and a strong IT department. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think, one of the focal points that it's easy to say, you know, you don't necessarily need them because your computer's running effectively, but you may not know all of those additional vulnerabilities that are occurring behind the scenes. Exactly. Uh, I know one of the most interesting things that I've been reading about lately is uh, you may have an individual who could be on your computer system for up to 265 days without you even knowing they're there. So I guess one of the things that people need to understand too from just the basic side is your system, you could have already been infiltrated. It's just they actually may not be placed in any type of like ransomware or anything like that in there. They just may be data mining. You know, I've been reading a, a lot of articles about infosecurity and also I've been reading about um, like trends that is happening with, uh, for example, Trend Micro or Semantic. So what they're saying is uh, what they're doing, the hackers right now, they're doing more social engineering and they are trying to get people like users like you know they send a phishing email and that's how they get into your system they are not using tools like before right now it's more like social engineering and i don't know if you're aware or i don't know if you're familiar with that term uh with the social engineering yeah i am actually a little bit um essentially again kind of like going back to some of those different types of hacking experiments i've done in the past it, it's almost like you're trying to fit together a jigsaw puzzle, right? So you can kind of either try to figure it out from the outside and try to identify you know, specific components like maybe the operating system and then maybe what types of EHR they're using. That may be something that you try to figure out from the outside, but it could take time, right? So it may be easier for you just to go in, essentially find an individual and just ask them, you know, like what computer system are you using? Do you like it? You know, what EHR is that? Is that, you know, you could put a name of any EHR out there and it would be kind of almost conditional for someone to say, no, that's not the one that we're using. We're actually using, and then they would give you the specific mm-hmm. EHR that they're using, right? And so you just start putting all those pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together. It's called uh, the kill chain. So basically, the first thing that they do, this kind of like recognize what is happening with mm-hmm. the target. So they might go to your office and they might look around. They might look for, you know, what kind of systems do you guys have? Like, do you have Windows? Do you have uh, Mac computers? So they just kind of like gather information. And then once they have that information, they just go back into their office or whatever they're trying to launch the uh, attack. And then they probably they're going to create a, a phishing email. 
they might figure out who is the CEO or they might figure out who is one of the employees and they just send an email. They're just trying to figure out information. They're just trying to get credentials from those users or even the CEO or even upper management. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess one of the things that I found really interesting about this whole process too, when you were just discussing the kill chain, is how closely it's actually associated with like our whole medical process. So for instance, uh, when you're doing a soap note, one of the first things you're going to do is try to essentially identify what the person's there for, right? So we always say it's like the HPI or history of present illness, chief complaint. And once you figure that out, um, you kind of shift into this this more of an investigative stance where you then try to ask different types of questions like, you know, when did this start? What's the quality of it? Is there any difference in, in severity? Um, how long has it been going on for? Is it radiating anywhere? So those are all like really interesting questions you ask from the uh, medical side, but it, it sounds like you'd almost do the same thing. So the article that I was reading, it's um, the, the way that they break down the kill changes, the pre-hack, the hack, the compromise, and the TIF. So when they do on the pre-hack, like I say, they just gather information. And then when they're doing the hack is when they yeah, when they have that information and they start deploying emails. And then once they have that information, that, those credentials from you, they just launch the, uh, I don't know, probably they're going to try to get into your server. They're, they might try to get into your system. And then once they have that information, once they, they, they create that data breach, once they have all that, that data, they're going to ask you for money. They're going to say, hey, we have your data, we have compromised your system, you have to pay us this amount. And most of the time they're gonna do it through uh, Bitcoin mm-hmm. because it's really, really hard to trace back that money. For that reason, they make a lot of profit. If you don't have a plan for a hacking or for a data breach, most of the time they're, they're gonna get your money. But mm-hmm. if you have a plan, it's like, I don't wanna pay you that money that you're asking because I already have a a plan for this data breach. And I guess we're gonna talk about more how you can plan a data breach. What do you do before and after? It's, uh, I think that there's a lot of extra topics in here that we're gonna explore as well. I, I know for instance, you know, we'll, we'll probably discuss more of this kill chain in, in a different series down the road. Just one other thing that I kinda wanted to end this podcast with, like what's the one basic thing? Like if we had to have our listeners leave with one idea what's the one thing you'd want them to leave with let me think it's so many things that i that i that i would like to say but one thing is make sure that you keep your computers uh far away from your from your uh, customers and also if you already have a IT department, try to give more budget to that IT department. And if you don't have an IT department, get one as soon as possible. Because the way that is working now with technology, you have to have somebody to help you. Because technology is really tricky. Mm-hmm. It's not that easy to understand. And you have to have people that understand that IT world. So. That's one of the things that I would like to recommend to people up there. Yeah, thank you for listening to this podcast. If you're a policyholder, please feel free to contact us with any questions by calling 1-800-580-8658 or check out our resources at tmlt.org and clicking on our resource hub. Thank you very much. Thank you.